Have you ever ever left home and had a funny feeling that you had forgotten something? You don't know what it is, but you just had that nagging feeling. A man said every time his family drove off for vacation, his mom would say, honey, we've got to go back home. I think I left the iron on. I don't want the house to burn down. His dad would turn around and they would go back and check the iron. And every time it would be turned off. This continued for several trips. Finally, on one trip, she told her husband to turn around, that he had to go back and check. He didn't say a word. He just pulled the car over to the side of the road, got out and opened the trunk and handed her the iron. Our passage today is a common text. Our text this morning will be Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. Yeah, it's a text that we're all familiar with. But I would like to look at the question, what are we looking for? What am I personally looking for? Am I looking for everything or nothing? Hopefully it'll make more sense as we go along. In this text, we're looking at an individual referred to as the rich young ruler. Matthew tells us he was a young man. Luke describes him as a ruler, or what some would call an aristocrat. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us that he was rich. He was a man who had two things. You would say he had everything, but in some sense, he had nothing. He was wealthy and successful, but he turned away from Jesus with nothing. He was searching for something more than what he could find in life. Millions of people are searching for something that they really can't find. I have to admit, don't know about you, but when we reached, as, as I approached the age of retirement, I looked forward to the time that I was going to sit on my front porch and do nothing. Sip tea or lemonade. Well, I've hit retirement. And I'm still looking forward to that day that I'm just going to sit and do nothing. But then do I really want it? Do I really want it? Could it mean I now that I have these back issues starting to slow me way down? Now I'm starting to realize, ugh, maybe I don't want to be immobile and just spend all my time just sitting on a swing. So I started to think, do I really want what I think I want? Do I want everything or do I want nothing? That is what we look at this morning. In 1987, you probably remember, Bono and Irish rock group called YouTube recorded a song. Bono sang, I have run, I have crawled. I have scaled these cities' walls only to be with you. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. He even ended the song referring to Jesus. He says, you broke the bonds 
and you loose the chains. You carry the cross of all my shame. Oh, my shame, you know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So we look at that today, a feeling many people have. 10,000 years ago, there was a young, wealthy, successful leader who came to Jesus looking for something. So in our text, it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus announced. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not false, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. I'm going to stop right there for a moment. If you heard some of those in the crucifixion of Jesus, they broke quite a few of those commandments, didn't they? False testimony. Murder. And then some of the other commandments will come in. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him. We know Jesus had compassion on him. But he says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then after you do this, come follow me. The countenance of the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus, in a different spot, said, What shall a man profit? He gains the whole world and loses his very own soul. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples in the text, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed. They said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man... This is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brother or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. But we knew that they did face persecutions. Things weren't totally rosy for them. But by giving up those things. Remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you that do this. Blessed are you that do that. We know that the age has come to show eternal life. We know that the Bible also tells those who are first will be last. Those who are last will be first. I don't know this young man's name. But since we're going to talk about him, I'd like to give him a name. I thought for just a moment, 
I thought the perfect name would be Richie. So Richie did all these many things. Think about this. Richie came at the right time. He was young. He came to the right person, Jesus. He came to the right energy. He came running. He came with the right attitude. He knelt down before Jesus. He came with the right question. How can I inherit eternal life? What a contrast. Richie came running, smiling, full of hope. But then he walked away sorrowful, dragging his feet, with his only hope being his wealth. As we examine this encounter this morning, I'd like to look at five observations and five life lessons we can learn from that. The first observation it was a strange conversation. Keep the commandments. So what's wrong with the picture? Why would Jesus tell someone to keep the commandments to find eternal life? Every Jew knew the Ten Commandments by heart. Many would say that they knew the Ten Commandments as easy as we count from one to ten. They were divided into two sections. They were divided into, um, of course, two tablets. The first dealt with the relationship with God. We should have no other gods. We shouldn't make or worship idols. We should never take God's name in vain. And we should remember Sabbath. The second tablet contains six commandments about how we relate to each other. And this is what Jesus quoted from. He said, wait a minute, Jesus. I don't know if you caught that. When Jesus cited, if you read that text, Jesus, I think, only mentioned five. He skipped one. I don't know if you caught that. It would be like me counting and saying one, two, four, five, six. You'd say, hey, Mark, you missed three. Let's go through them. He didn't give them in order. But here's what he said. He said, do not murder. Check. Do not commit adultery. Check. Do not steal, check. Do not fear false witness, check. Honor your father and mother, check. So which one did he leave out? Do not covet, exactly. Do not covet. That means a desire for more and more stuff. Jesus knew that that was Richie's problem. Richie smiled and said, I have kept all these things since I was a boy. And Jesus said, "Uh uh-oh. There's still one thing you lack. You see, Richie already had a God in his life. His God was gold and his greed to get more greed and more money. And there was only one room for one God in that throne. Life lesson. Jesus will probe our hearts to to expose our competing gods. Jesus wanted to point out that Richie had a problem with greed and covetousness. But he didn't come out and say it. He kept probing until Richie saw the problem himself. Many of us have probably heard of someone who went to the doctor not knowing that they had an appendicitis. They complain and they hurt all over their torso, midsection. The doctor comes in. You lie down or they lie down. And the doctor starts probing. When the doctor touches that area of the appendix, that individual is about ready to fly off that 
table. I always wondered, you know, fortunately, I haven't had the appendicitis. So, you know, I always wondered, you know, doctor just wants to check out my flab or something. You know, they start poking your stomach and I'm thinking, what are you doing? But then I realized that that's what they're doing. They probe. They start somewhere and they go through tests. How many doctors do you go to and they always say, well, we'll have to run some tests. I want you to see this person and I want you to see that person. And, and that's what they do. That's why they call it practice. They're still practicing and they send you to other people that are practicing. And that's what Jesus does, though. What does Jesus do for us? He keeps probing to show us where our other gods are at that may keep us from heaven. The Holy Spirit is working on us right now. He's gently touching us, probing us, conscious, reading God's word. That's why Jesus and God say, that's why it says, be, you know, to read, the, be thou found faithful unto death, and that we should read the scriptures daily. We need to know what they say. Shocking advice is our second observation. Sell all you have and give it to the poor and follow me. To that individual, that was shocking advice. Jesus said there was only one thing which he was lacking. This one verse has caused much confusion. Multitudes read it and think, I want to obey God, so should I go and sell everything I have, give it to the poor, and follow Jesus? Here's the short answer. This is me answering it. You don't need to sell all your riches unless your riches have become the God in your life. Rich is the only person to whom Jesus spoke those words. Let's think. I believe Nicodemus was wealthy. I believe that Joseph of Armethia was wealthy. But Jesus never told them that they had to go sell their possessions because Jesus knew their possessions didn't possess them. They had other issues. A life lesson? Jesus provides a personal solution to remove any of the competing gods in our lives. Jesus looked into Richie's heart. He saw that money was his desire. What does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, being, and self. Looks like the love of money was stronger than that love for God. And Richie went more and more. He wanted more and more. He coveted things. Jesus was simply giving Richie a solution to get rid of that God in his life. Notice Jesus says, you aren't losing your treasure By giving it to the poor, you're laying up treasures in heaven. You're just transferring your wealth to heaven. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6.24, No man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, or referred to as money. Jesus designs a solution, doesn't he? In Luke 10, a lawyer came to Jesus asking the same thing. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus didn't say, sell all you have and give to the poor. That wasn't the man's problem. This man's problem was pride. So Jesus asked him, what was the greatest commandment? And the lawyer said, love the Lord your God with all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. What does Jesus say? That's correct. 
But the lawyer was looking for a loophole. He said, but who is my neighbor? He wanted Jesus to say, all the Jewish brothers and sisters, all your friends, all the people that you hang out with are your neighbors. But Jesus instead told the story of the Good Samaritan. A half-breed, you would say. A Samaritan? A half-breed? Jesus saw this man's God was pride. And he said, love your neighbor, even the Gentile neighbors. In John 4, Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman at the well. She asked for some living water. Jesus didn't say, go sell all you have and give to the poor. He didn't say to her, love your neighbor. Maybe that was her problem. She had too many friends. He said, go call your husband. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, that's correct. You've had five husbands and the one you're living with right now isn't your husband. Jesus was pointing out that she already had a God in her life. The unhealthy desire for acceptance by a man. If you have a competing God ruling your life this morning, Jesus will give you a unique word to replace that God with the true and living God. We need to look and self-examine. And think about, is God the most important thing in our lives today? Do we love God more than anything? Is there something that stands in our way as a personal desire? For some people, it could be the athletics. Some people spend, you wait for Sunday morning and instead of attending worship services and so on, they may take that fishing or golfing or use some type of leisure, thinking that they worked all week. They use the Lord's Day for leisure. Nothing wrong with that if we put God in importance with that, that we assemble with God, then do some of our leisure things. But we think about that. The third observation I make is the personal choice. The young rich ruler went away sad because he had great wealth. Mark is the only one who gives us the tiny detail that Jesus looked at the young man and loved him. We know that God loves the world. We know that Jesus loves everyone. I can't picture, and we've said it numerous times, anyone that would look at the people that just mocked you, beat you, caused so much pain, whipped you to just about death, drove those nails into your hands and feet, spat upon you, and then look and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was dying for those people, and that's how they treated him. The love that Jesus had for all mankind. He looks at each one of us. He loves you, he loves me. He looks at me, he loves me. Jesus really did want Richie to make the right choice. There's a painting by a German artist, from what I understand, named Heinrich Hoffmann. And in this frozen scene, Hoffmann captured the divine drama of the moment. The rich young ruler is seen wearing his fancy clothes and even a hat. Jesus is inviting him to give his money to the poor who are in the background. 
and then follow Jesus. The rich man looks down as he ponders the most important decision he would ever make. Give away all his money and follow Jesus? That was asking way too much. And in that moment, he sadly shakes his head and says, No, that price is too high. And he walked away. Not all stories end with the happily ever after, do they? He was a man with only two things. He had everything, but he also had nothing. A life lesson. Jesus offers eternal life, but he won't force us to follow him. Someone once wrote, think about this, the saddest words of tongue or pen are the following four words, what might have been. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is all-present. But there is one area, I believe, in the universe where he has voluntarily restricted himself from. It's in the area of your will. God won't force anyone to accept his gift of eternal life. And observation number four, the camel joke. Go back to that verse. A camel can squeeze through a needle's eye easier than a rich man could get into heaven. Have you heard the one about the camel? Stop me if you heard it. We know that Jesus employed overemphasis and possible humor to catch the attention and teach a powerful point. Jewish humor, from what I understand, was based upon impossible, ridiculous images. Jesus used the largest animal in Israel, a camel, and the smallest man-made opening to talk about that impossibility. In Matthew chapter 23, he used a pun to describe the Pharisees. What did he say? You guys strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Again, impossible, but definitely implying a major point. It's like the cross-eyed school teacher. The cross-eyed school teacher who got fired because she couldn't keep her pupils straight. All right, I will stop that. So what was the point of the camel joke? Jesus was pointing out that it was extremely difficult for wealthy people to enter God's kingdom. The biggest reason is because people with wealth tend to trust their own wealth more and more than what they do to trust God. You hear about all those sad stories of people that have won the lottery and have won millions of dollars, and then within a few years, their life was ruined. The money did not solve those cases for them. The point Jesus is making is that it is impossible for anyone to gain salvation through his or her own merit. Richie trusted his wealth. We ask the question, what are we trusting in today? Is there a competing God in each of our lives? We must all come to Jesus the same way. Whether we're Elon Musk, Bill Gates, or a homeless man, or each one of us. 
We all come to Jesus the same way. We have to acknowledge his complete and utter need that we would come and repent of our sins, confess that he is the true son of the Father, and then be buried with him in baptism. My final observation is the good news. All things are possible with God. The disciples were under the impression that rich people were blessed by God. So after they heard the camel joke, they turned to Jesus in amazement and they asked, Who then can be saved? What does Jesus answer with? A profound truth. With men it is impossible, but all things are possible with God. God specializes in miracles, doesn't he? Moses, the Red Sea. He's trapped. He has an army chasing him. He's faced with an impossible situation. We know that God specializes in the impossible. He made a 12-lane expressway in the middle of the sea. When David faced a nine-foot giant with only a slingshot, I'm sure the people around had to say, there is no chance. Where is David's mind at? Unless he fully trusts in God, he would be very foolish to stand in front of this giant. But we know that this giant was going against God's way, mocking, and David knew that he had to bring an end to it. I do have one more. So then David used his, um, David, we know, struck Goliath between the eyes. Goliath falls. David uses Goliath's own sword to decapitate him. He showed everyone who witnessed this event that he was someone who knew how to get ahead. When Gabriel visited a teen girl named Mary, he announced she would give birth to a son who would be the son of God, the savior of the world. But Mary said, how can this be since I'm only a virgin? What does Gabriel say? Luke 137. Nothing is impossible for God. It's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, but it's a miracle when God takes the person through the door of salvation. So my life lesson, eternal life can't be earned or bought. It's a gift from God. Richie walked away singing the U2 chorus line, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I have all these riches, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Have we found what we are looking for in our current life? What does the Bible say in Romans 6 and 23? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Someone once asked, have you ever asked God for forgiveness? The individual that was asked replied, I'm not sure I have. I just go on and try to do a better job the next time. If I do something wrong, I just try to make it better. I don't bring God into the picture. Hmm. It's not about bringing God into the picture. God should be the picture. God is the picture. So here's the artist of the picture that is life and universe. 
And there's only one way we can approach God, and that is with humility and admission that we are lost without his forgiveness. Hypothetically, there are three ways to get to heaven. Remember I said, hypothetically. My thought, number one, if we die, if someone dies before the age of accountability, they could get to heaven. Number two, you can live a perfect life. Hmm. Never once commit a sin or thought or attitude or action. Hmm. Anybody qualify? We know one. Or third, you can fall on your knees and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You can make yourself into a new person through repentance, confession, and baptism. And then to walk in that newness of life. Be thou found faithful unto death. We know Richie had so much, but he ended up with nothing but the God of wealth in his life. Many, many think they have everything that they want or need. But if they don't have Jesus, they have nothing. Jesus is looking at us today and is extending his love to each and every one of us. He looks into our heart and says, get rid of all those idols and follow me. I can give you a life that is really worth living. Will you trust me? The lesson is yours as together we stand and sing our song of invitation.